Hello and welcome to the Fit to Transform podcast, where you learn how to train and diet effectively and, most importantly, how to maintain those results for life, once and for all. I'm Nikias Tomasiello, a transgender training and nutrition coach working online with anyone who's ready for a true lifestyle transformation anywhere they may be in the world. As a friendly reminder, any and all information provided is for educational purposes only. You should consult with your doctor before implementing any changes to your diet and exercise program. With that disclaimer out of the way, thank you for being here. Now grab yourself a cup of tea or pre-workouts and enjoy. Yo, welcome back to the podcast. First of all, I have an apology to make. I think in last week's episode, I said that um, this week I would release part two of my interview with Brandon Da Cruz, but actually Brandon isn't back yet. It's only me today. I apologize for that. In the end, we couldn't make our schedules align. And so I am going to be releasing part two in the near future. But again, today it's only me and I want to cover how to lose fat successfully without giving up on your social life. So similarly to the uh, tracking 101 episode, tracking calories 101 episode, which you, if you haven't listened to that one yet, go back and listen to it. I want to make this as practical and applicable to your lifestyle as possible. And what better time of the year than now to discuss how to eat out or how to eat meals that you're not home cooking and tracking perfectly than now when the holidays are coming. By the time I release this, Thanksgiving will be either very close or it will will have already gone. I can't speak today for some reason. And Christmas will be very close as well. It will be in about five to six weeks time. Aside from the holidays though, we all eat out from time to time, some of us more often than others. And so I believe it will be very valuable to discuss today how you can balance fat loss with a social life. Now, the single most important takeaway from this episode is the importance of planning. For different reasons depending on the person. For some people, eating out when you're on a diet can be very stressful. You don't know what goes into the food, you can't track it perfectly, and maybe you think you need to track perfectly. Once again, the the episode called Tracking Calories 101 will be great for you if that's what you're struggling with. Or even if you know that you don't have to be perfect with tracking, you still get a little bit nervous about going out when you're um, on a fat loss diet, because we've been conditioned to believe that the best, quote unquote, way to diet is to eat all perfectly, quote unquote, clean meals, ideally that you made yourself with the most expensive organic ingredients that you can think of and using all of the superfoods in the world. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast for long enough, you'll know that's not the case. At the same time, conditioning that uh, took place for sometimes decades for some people is very hard to free yourself from. So if you feel like that, know that it's totally fine. Even I, 
have been recovered from my restrictive eating disorder for years now. And uh, I've been, I'm probably the most at peace in my relationship with food as I've ever been. And still, when I'm dieting, I'm really focused on fat loss. I really want to be successful with it. I can get a little bit nervous about eating out. So know that it's normal. And uh, in this particular situation, making a plan can relieve your stress. Now, for other people, eating out isn't really stressful. And to a certain extent, it's not stressful enough in that this kind of person um, usually doesn't plan in advance. They're thinking, well, it's going to be reasonably healthy food, or they think I'm going to make healthy choices healthy in quotes once again. So the calories are going to be all right. And essentially they end up winging it and thinking it will be quote unquote, okay. Now, to be honest, I think this is realistic only for a very small portion of the population, because we need to be realistic about this. We do have an obesity epidemic in most westernized societies meaning that there is a high prevalence of obesity and it's the highest it's ever been, as far as I know. So clearly, when you're eating out, most people don't make these choices that help them either maintain the same weight or lose body fat. And losing body fat is harder than uh, maintaining because you have to be stricter with your the amount of calories that you eat. So clearly, winging it doesn't necessarily help you make the most goal-appropriate choices. And in fact, often it will hold you back from making the progress that you want to see. So in this particular case, planning takes care of that. It makes the eating out more than okay. It makes it successful. It makes it align with your goals and it prevents you from plateauing. However, the single biggest advantage of planning is this. A single meal out is not going to make or break your diet. Sure, I bet you what you want that the next day you're going to be heavier on the scale. However, that's usually because, one, most restaurant meals are quite high in sodium, especially compared to the amount of salt we put on our home-cooked meals. So you're going to retain water. Plus, normally these meals are bigger than the meals we would normally eat at home. So the next day, you simply have some more food still sitting in your gut. And often these meals are higher in carbs than the meals we would normally consume at home. So once again, this causes a bit of water retention because each gram of carbohydrate is absorbed with about three grams of water. So for all these reasons, absolutely, the next day you'll be heavier on the scale. However, Unless you manage to eat about 3,500 calories above the calories you need to maintain your weight, then you couldn't possibly have gained even a pound of fat because a pound of fat usually takes 3,500 calories above maintenance, either in one day or across a longer period of time. So if you maintain on 2,000 calories, unless you ate 
5,500 calories, there's no way that the weight gain of a pound came from body fat. And often, after a meal out, the weight gain can be even higher than a single pound. So what I'm saying here is that, yes, you'll be heavier on the scale for sure, but that meal out is not going to prevent you from losing more body fat in the future. It didn't actually cause any weight gain to begin with. You can just take it as a fluctuation, like the fluctuations that you'll definitely see on the scale if you weigh yourself daily and that are totally normal. The problem is that your reaction to that meal out and to the extra weight on the scale can hold you back. A lot of us already feel guilty enough when we eat out because we think that that's quote-unquote bad. And then the next day, if you step on the scale and you see that the weight spiked up, often you can go into fuck it mode, which essentially means you think, oh, fuck this, I've already ruined my diet, and you turn that single meal out into two weeks of potentially overeating or not tracking your calories and not bothering with your diet at all. Basically, it turns this one meal into a period of time when you're not behaving in a way that's in line with your goals. On the other hand, if you make a plan beforehand, whatever that plan may be, you're going to feel satisfied when you accomplish it and confident that you were able to follow your own plan. And then you're going to move on. Whether that plan entails eating salad or whether it entails eating pizza, the fact that you made a promise to yourself, because that's what a plan is, it's a promise to yourself, and that you were able to keep it is going to increase the confidence you have in yourself. Because when somebody breaks a promise to us, we lose trust in them. And it's the same with yourself. If you break a promise to yourself, you're going to feel less trustworthy. So you're going to lose some trust in yourself. And if you can't trust yourself to stick with a plan, you're more likely to not behave in a way that's in line with your goals because you're going to think to yourself, well, what's the point? I know that I'm not going to see this diet through anyway. So if you don't take anything else from this podcast, take this. Plan ahead when you want to have a meal out. Now let's discuss how you can have this meal out and how you can track it. To start with, you need to make this decision. Is the meal out or the celebratory meal, if we're talking about Christmas dinner, for example, going to be a calorie deficit friendly meal or is it going to require more calories than a normal meal in a fat loss phase would require? And is it going to therefore require you to consume more calories than your fat loss calories? for the day, or an amount of calories that fits within your daily calorie targets. To be extremely clear, there is no right or wrong decision here. It is a decision that you need to make because it's going to guide the type of food choices that you're going to make. My advice here is this. First of all, think about how many times you're going to be eating out in that week or over a relatively short period of time. And then Consider how important is this particular food experience? As an example, if you're already going to eat out three times that week, is it really necessary that 
every single time you eat out, you're going to have something that's quite high in calories, like a pizza or burger and fries? Or can we make some of these occasions more in line with your goal of fat loss? And even if you're eating out only that one time, or if you have to eat a meal that you couldn't prepare yourself, how important is it that it needs to be a meal that can't be in line with your fat loss choices? Like, for example, let's say that you're traveling and uh, you're, you need to eat a meal at the airport and you didn't bring anything with you. So you need to get something at one of the shops that are available at the airport. Is it really necessary that this needs to be a really high calorie, super palatable meal? Or could it be a simpler choice that maybe isn't your favorite, but at least it has enough protein and enough calories that it doesn't take you over your calories for the day and it also helps you get enough protein in for the day. Like for example, a protein bar and a banana or something slightly bigger if you're going to eat a main meal, for example. On the other hand, Christmas dinner might be really, really important to you because your grandmother is making your favorite dessert and your mom is making her incredible dish that you always look forward to. And in this particular case, yes, the food experience is actually contributing to your enjoyment of the whole day. So even if you were to have an amount of calories that overshoots your daily calories for the day, you're happy with that because the food experience is important to you. So again, the choice that you make at this stage is going to guide the type of food that you're going to choose, whether it's a bit more fat loss friendly or whether a bit more maintenance calories or calorie surplus friendly. And it's also going to guide the strategy that you're going to use to manage the amount of calories that you're going to eat within the context of the week. And I'm going to touch upon how to manage these calories later on. For now, I want to talk about how you can go about tracking this meal. Just so you know, as a sneak peek, I'm also going to consider some options if you don't want to track that meal, because there are some occasions during which you might not be able to track the meal, or it might be too stressful to track the meal, or for a variety of reasons, you may simply decide, I am not going to track this meal, but I still want to make a choice that I won't regret later, a choice that I can be content with, then I have strategies for that. But for now, let's assume that you are going to track the calories for this meal. And just so you know, I have a blog article that discusses the methods I'm going to cover in detail. It's titled A Guide to Estimating Calories When Eating Out, and you're going to find a link in the show notes as per usual. So if you're going to track your calories, I have two methods to suggest. The first method is more accurate, but it's also more labor intensive. And these are the steps that it involves. First of all, you want to collect information about the menu or the food available at the event at least one week before it takes place. Now, a poignant quote that I really like here is fail to plan, plan to fail. So in other words, you want to look up the menu online or if you're not sure what's going to be available or even when it is, where it is that you're going to eat, you can ask your friends and family what's going to be available. 
Some people don't even consider that this can be done. I've had several clients who were going to go to a hotel, for example, and um, they said, I didn't really know what's going to be there for breakfast. It just says continental breakfast, or they were going to eat at a friend's house and they said, I'm not really sure what's going to be there. And the simple answer to this problem is call the, the hotel or call your friend and ask them. Nowadays, a lot of people have a need to know what's going to be available in a certain meal. For example, they might have allergies or they might have some um, sensory sensitivities to food. For example, if they're neurodiverse, they may have specific dietary requirements or specific fitness goals that they want to hit, like in your case, if you're listening to this podcast. So it's not really that uncommon for people to ask what's going to be available at a certain um, occasion if it involves food. So you can absolutely do that. And I am sure that most people won't bat an eyelash. And even if they did, who cares? They don't have your body. They don't have your fitness goals. And you have a right, just as much as anyone, to take up space and to ask questions. So if you're in doubt, when you're collecting information, ask. Then the second step is you're going to pick what you're going to have. Again, planning ahead of time here is important. So when you're picking what food choice you want to make, and then you are going to track it into your food tracking app, you want to relax your standard nutrition targets. For example, I normally give at least a calorie target and a protein target. With very, very new clients, it might just be the calories at first and then we add the protein later. And then for um, some people, I also track fiber. And for a select few people who don't like eating fats very much, I also track their dietary fats and give them a range to stay within to make sure that they don't fall, fall below what would be advisable for general health. Now, hitting all of these nutrition targets is already enough of a challenge when you're making all of your meals yourself. Now, when you're eating out, it's going to be a real headache and it can make the difference between you being successful and you being unsuccessful and just giving up because there's too much to try to track. So for fat loss, you know that your top priority top priority is the number of calories that you eat. So when I say relax your targets, I mean it. Just track your calories and try to achieve your calorie targets for the day, whatever that might be. And again, we're going to discuss what calorie target to go for on the day that you're eating out a little bit later. But for now, you set a calorie target, just worry about that. If for that one day, your protein is a little bit lower, your fiber is a little bit lower, your bowels are going to be fine and your muscles are going to stay exactly where they are. So don't worry about all of these targets, which are challenging enough under normal circumstances and basically unrealistic to accomplish all at once when you're eating out and you're not making the food and just stick with calories. At this point, you need to actually track the calories of this meal. And in many restaurants, especially franchises across the uh, UK and in America as well, they will have the calories available on the menu and often the macros as well, which is really handy. 
But what happens if you don't have the calories and macros available? Again, check out my blog post, A Guide to Estimating Calories When Eating Out, because I take you through this process and it's all written out. Uh, whereas when you're listening to something, it's a little bit harder to concentrate and remember every step, unless you're amazing and you're listening to this with pen and paper and taking notes, which I commend you for, you're a legend. So having said that, here are the steps to track a meal when you're eating out and you don't have the calories available. First of all, find a similar restaurant which does display the calories on the menu and that offers a similar meal to the one you're going to have. And then you simply use their calories and their macros. Now, when you make this choice, try to choose a restaurant that has a similar vibe to where you're going. For example, if you're going to um, a, an Italian pizzeria in the UK, I would recommend using the values that are available on the Pizza Express website. Whereas if you're going to a cheap pizza joint, maybe you're going to use Domino's or Pizza Hut instead just so that if you match the vibe, there's a higher chance that your the calories you're going to be using are closer to the truth. As an alternative, you might not be able to find what you want to eat on a different menu that does display calories. In that case, you can use a supermarket product. For example, for a dessert, like let's say cheesecake, many supermarkets in the UK sell cheesecake slices. So if you're having a chocolate cheesecake slice, just go on the Tesco website or the Sainsbury's website and find a, a chocolate cheesecake slice and use the macros and calories for that. As a third alternative, you could use the database on your calorie tracking app. So you would simply search for the type, the, the name of the meal that you're having, and the app is going to display a number of choices. Now, in my opinion, this isn't the best idea because at least if you use a menu from a different restaurant or a supermarket product, one, you can see a picture of this product. Normally, you have a list of ingredients as well. So there are ways to increase the accuracy of your guesstimation because ultimately we are making a guesstimation here. Whereas if you're just looking at a list of meals on, let's say, MyFitnessPal, normally the all that's displayed is the name of the item and because the the database is often user generated so anyone can add an entry a lot of people aren't very descriptive when they describe the meal because they know what they had and so they don't need to be super descriptive because they're thinking well I'm making this entry for myself but when you use theirs you've got basically no idea what it is that they actually had however again ultimately we are making a guesstimation so there is a degree of error when we're making this this um, educated guess so if you can't find anything on uh, the menu of a different restaurant. You can't find anything available at a supermarket. Then the only alternative really is to use this food database. So do it and move on. At this point, you have used the steps that I've just described so far, and you've logged the meal into your calorie tracking app. Now you're going to be able to see roughly 
the nutrients that you may be missing at this meal, either because they're displayed in your calorie tracking app, or if all you could add were the calories for this meal, you don't have the macros, but you can make, again, an educated guess. Like for example, if you're eating pizza or pasta, these choices are going to be high in carbs and in fats. So what you want to do for the rest of the day is make food choices that help you balance out the nutrients that you are going to miss out on at these meals. So again, you're having a pizza or a pasta, then for the rest of the day, prioritize your protein and your vegetables. That's because a lot of people assume that all of your meals need to be super balanced and have every single component, a protein source, a carb source, a fat source, and so on and so forth. When you can achieve nutritional balance and still have what could be considered a balanced diet across a longer period of time, like across the entire day, especially if you're eating out. And again, in many cases, you might make choices that are lower in certain nutrients and higher in others. So again, if you're having a lot of carbs and fats at one meal, you can stand to reduce the carbs and fats the rest of the day and increase protein and and, uh, vegetables to make sure that the entire day as a whole is more balanced. You don't need to have every single meal being super balanced. Now, at this point, you're not done yet. We're getting to what I've alluded to twice already so far, and it is how to manage the total calories you're going to consume today. So at this point, you've made a log for the entire day, starting with the meal that you're going to eat out, or again, the celebratory meal. And you're going to take a look at it and see whether it falls within your allotted calories for the day in a fat loss phase or not. Now, let's say that you're dieting on 1500 calories and with this meal out, you are actually going to eat 2000 calories. So clearly on that day, you're going to go over your calorie targets. At this point, you can go about it in two ways. You can decide to achieve your fat loss calorie target for the week instead of for the day, or you can choose to achieve your maintenance calorie target on that day or for the entire week. So as an example, let's say that you're dieting on 1500 calories per day. So across seven days, that's a total of 10,500 calories. If you were to eat 2000 calories on one day, you're adding 500 extra calories to this total. So in order to balance it out and make sure that the total for the week stays at 10,500, you need to remove 500 calories from some other day. So at this point, I recommend that you borrow, in quotes, a number of calories from one or more days from the rest of the week. So for example, you could simply borrow 100 calories from five days, eating 1400 calories Monday to Friday in order to be able to eat 2000 calories on Saturday. In general, I recommend two things. One, don't borrow more than 10 to 15% of your total daily calories from a single day because that tends to lower your calories to a point where on that one day you're going to be starving, which is one, unpleasant, but two, it also increases the risk that you might overeat accidentally later to to compensate for this extra hunger. The second thing I recommend is that 
when you borrow calories, whether you do it from the days before the events or the days after, make sure that it is a plan that you made ahead of time. If you accidentally overeat when you're eating out and you're thinking, well, I am going to restrict my calories now over the next few days to make up for this, I would urge you to simply wake up the next day, get back into your routine and not restrict food at all. Because at that point, it's not a strategy. It's an emergency plan that can foster a negative relationship with food, and it can be the beginning of what's called the binge restrict cycle, whereby you overeat and then you restrict your calories afterwards by either overdoing cardio or lowering your food intake to quote unquote make up for it. You want to make sure that if you're going through a fat loss phase, you're doing it to improve your relationship with food and your body, not to destroy it. And that's the strategy you would employ if you wanted to make your weekly calorie target for fat loss. Now, in some cases, when, for example, you might be eating out more than once a week and you've decided that you're going to do it or you can't help doing it, maybe you have several uh, work-related lunches or meals, then it might be necessary to aim for your maintenance calories for the week instead of your fat loss calories. The strategy is exactly the same, but you need to make the choice first. Am I going to aim for fat loss this week or am I going to take a diet break and aim for maintenance calories across the week? As a final choice, you can also decide, I have this one event and I am going to aim to eat at maintenance calories on this day and I am not going to lower my calories on other days. I don't want to borrow calories. It's a fine decision to make. You might have your reasons for this, but I am not going to overshoot my maintenance calories on the day. Totally fine. You simply need to accept that if you're going to maintenance calories on that day, your deficit for the week is going to be slightly smaller. It doesn't mean you're going to stop losing body fat at all. You might even lose the same amount of body fat as other weeks. It depends on a variety of factors that I'm not going to go into here. You simply need to be aware that your progress might slow down a little bit for the week. Again, here, what's important isn't to diet every single week until you've achieved your goal. It's to make choices that are in line with your goals and values at any one time. If your goals and values for the week include slowing down your fat loss progress, that's totally fine. If they include taking a diet break and making sure that yes, you're eating out and sticking to maintenance calories across the week instead of a deficit, that's also totally cool. As long as when you ask yourself the question, you are honest with yourself about what's realistic and what's going to feel in line with your goals and values and what's truly important to you, then any choice of those that I've described is perfectly fine. Now, moving on to the second method for tracking calories when you're eating out. This is less labor intensive, but also inherently less accurate. If you're happy with the decrease in accuracy, um, because maybe you just simply don't have time to go through the process I've just described, then what you can do is 
use a heuristic for the amount of calories that you're going to consume and combine that with some responsible choices. So, for example, let's say that you want to make this meal a more calorie deficit friendly meal. In this case, you're going to make sure that everything you eat fits on a single plate and you're going to go for just this one plate and nothing else. And the way the plate is going to be made up is you want to have about half of the plate full of vegetables, a quarter full of protein, and a quarter full of carbs. At a restaurant or at any celebratory meal, you don't need to worry about looking for a fat source because normally um, cooks add a lot of oil and other fat sources to their, um, their the meals that they make for you at restaurants. And when I say a lot, I mean a lot more than you would normally add during a fat loss diet. I'm not saying that uh, it's necessarily quote unquote bad for you. It's more or, or that it's a disproportionate amount more than anybody would ever use. And that's bad. It's simply more than you would normally have at home during a fat loss diet. So for that reason, all you need to worry about is protein, veg and carbs. So again, half a plate will be made up will be full of vegetables, a quarter of protein and a quarter of carbs. And when you log this meal, we know that restaurant meals are really high in calories. There's even research showing that the calories displayed on the menu are inaccurate and they can be inaccurate by up to 200%, which is crazy. So clearly these restaurant meals are quite high in calories. And for that reason, you are going to log between 1,000 and 1,200 calories for this calorie deficit friendly meal. Now, if you choose to have a higher calorie meal on that occasion, what you're going to do is choose one main following the same guidelines that I've just given about how to split up your plate. And then you're going to choose either a drink containing calories, like a glass of wine, or a single serving of dessert. And then you're going to log 1,200 to 1,500 calories for this meal. You might now be wondering, well, you're saying 1,000 to 1,200, but I have to log just one number on my app. What do I choose? Now, in order to choose your range, when you're able to choose your own portion, so that usually doesn't work for restaurants, where I've just said that um, meals are usually quite high in calories, and often portions are huge, and they're always standardized, so everybody gets the same portion, then uh, the method I'm going to suggest won't work at restaurants, but it works if you can, if you're eating at a buffet, or if you're eating a celebratory meal where you put what you want on your plate. And so, in general, the methods, or rather, not the method, but the um, way of the, the line of thought to follow here is that bigger people naturally tend to eat a little bit more and they also need a little bit more calories. So those people are going to log more calories, so 1,200. Whereas smaller people naturally require fewer calories, both to diet and to maintain their weight. So you can log fewer calories in this case. So you would log 1,000 calories. If you're really keen on, you need to use this method, which is less accurate, uh, but you've made your peace with it, but you still want to 
be really careful about hitting a certain number of calories for whatever reason, then I would recommend choosing the higher end of the range just in case. And also if you're eating at restaurants, I would recommend choosing the higher end of the range again, just to be safe rather than sorry. Finally, if you are not tracking your calories, again, you want to make sure that you make responsible choices that are in line with the kind of person that you want to become, the kind of person that does pay attention to uh, their fitness goals, both in regards to training and in regards to nutrition. So my usual recommendation when a client isn't going to track calories is that, again, for a more calorie deficit friendly meal, you choose a single meal that fits on one plate. And again, the plate is divided into half veg, a quarter protein, and a quarter carbs. Now, importantly, you want this plate to be a standard-sized plate. So you're not going to have a tray of food, but you also, you're also not going to have a little saucer uh, that's going to make you feel really deprived because, again, this is going to potentially result in you overeating later because you ate out and you um, felt really, really deprived and, like, you missed out. And so later you're going to go, oh, fuck it, I... I made such an effort last night to have that little saucer full of food and now full of salads and now today I'm going to eat the world. So you don't need to measure your plate, but make sure that it's a reasonable size for a meal that you would normally eat. And for a higher calorie meal, again, the main remains the same. And then you can add either a calorie containing drink or a single serving of dessert. You can also choose not to have the plate I've just described plus either a calorific drink or a serving of dessert. You may choose to have a higher calorie, more palatable meal. In this case, I would suggest making this choice without the additional calorific drink or the serving of dessert and also consider ways to make the meal overall slightly more balanced. For example, if you order a burger and fries, the burger comes with a bun, which is bread, which is primarily a source of carbs, and with fries, which are a source of primarily carbs and a little bit of fat. And normally, it doesn't really have a lot of vegetables, maybe a couple of salad leaves and a slice of tomato. It also has sometimes cheese, which adds fat, or if you don't like cheese on your burger, you might just go for the uh, meat itself, and that's a lot of protein. So you're having... Overall, a combination of all three macronutrients skewed towards a high amount of carbohydrate and fats. So a choice that you could make would be, I'm going to have the burger, but I'm not going to order the bun or I'm not, not, I'm not going to order the fries. So you reduce the amount of carbs and fats that you have. And instead of the bun or the fries, you choose which one you like best, you're going to have a side salad without added dressing. Or you could choose to not have the cheese, again, to reduce the amount of fats that you're going to consume. And perhaps instead of having the side of fries, you would have only a couple of fries so that you still feel like you scratched the itch because you wanted the fries without going overboard. And these are all the strategies that I have for you on how to track your calories for the meal out or how not to track your calories, but still make sure that the meal is in line with your goals and values. And I've also given you strategies on how to manage your calories before and after this meal. 
To end this episode, I have some suggestions that have nothing to do with tracking calories, but everything to do with your success. And as you might imagine, these have more to do with mindsets than with the practicalities of tracking calories. And I delved deeply into this topic in another blog post called Five Steps to Balance Fat Loss and Your Social Life. And again, you're going to find this in the show notes. So let's get into these mindset-related related suggestions. They're in no particular order. However, they are all important to make sure that you're developing the kind of mindset that's going to set you up for success. And I define success by as making choices that are in line with your fitness goals and other goals in life and with your values. So my first suggestion is you need to accept that the person that you want to become by losing body fat makes compromises when they're eating out. You can't expect to make a lifestyle transformation without actually changing your lifestyle. If you expect to be strictly on the diet, but then never make a plan when you're eating out and eat your weight in pizza, cheeseburger, and fries, it's quite unlikely that you're going to be able to maintain fat loss in the long term if you ever even achieve it, because it is an unbalanced and potentially not so great relationship with food that you're fostering here, where you're being extremely strict to the point of always feeling, again, deprived and like you're missing out, and then going all out whenever you have a social occasion. And it's also potentially not in line with your life goals, because if you're paying so much attention to the food on these social occasions because you can't stop eating, how much attention are you actually paying to the people around you? and to the memories that you may be able to make with them. However, it's very important that these are compromises, not sacrifices. So you don't need to choose the super low-calorie salad if that's not what you want. But you can, if you really want it. What you need to think about is that all calories always count. And so you need to hold yourself accountable for the calories that you choose to consume by either managing calories across the week, or making more fat loss friendly choices in certain circumstances, as I discussed. But think of them as compromises, where you're trying to make the fact that you want or need to eat out, and your fitness goals, somehow meet in the middle. You're not sacrificing one aspect of your life for another, because the way we talk about to ourselves is important. And if you use the word sacrifice, you're going to foster a feeling of deprivation and resentment towards your diet and your new lifestyle. And how can you make a lifestyle transformation if you despise the new lifestyle? My third suggestion is to communicate your current priorities with the people that you're going to eat with and set appropriate boundaries. You might have made these comments or you might have heard comments like, every time I go out with this one friend, we're always drinking so much and I can't help it. Or, oh, I just can't say no to uh, grandma's pie. Now, first of all, a bit of tough love here. Nobody's showing food down your throat. You can always choose what, and if not always what, then at least how much of anything you're going to eat or drink. So you can make that choice for yourself. And if you're in a situation where you're feeling this peer pressure, 
pause for 10 seconds before you shove food or a drink down your throat. Pause and consider the consequences of the action and whether you are happy with them or not. And then own your decision. Don't let yourself be swept up in the moment. Then you want to tell people that if you're dieting at the moment, fat loss is your goal, especially if you're having a calorie deficit friendly meal, because this type of meal is going to show a higher level of restraint than a meal that's a bit higher in calories. For example, choosing the salad over the pizza definitely shows a higher level of uh, cognitive restraint. And so a lot of people, since they don't know Uh, they might not be familiar with this flexible dieting lifestyle that I promote in my work and on my podcast and on my social media, these people are going to assume that this level of restraint and this way of eating is forever. So what you need to do is explain that fat loss is temporary for you at the moment, and you're going to be able to be more flexible when you go back to maintenance. Finally, you want to establish clear boundaries because nobody actually cares what you eat or don't eat and what you drink or not drink. Often what takes people aback or upsets them is the fact that it's unexpected. For example, if if you've always eaten grandma's pie and all of a sudden this year you show up and you're like, nah, grandma, I'm not eating any of that, she might feel hurt because she wasn't expecting it. And so she might question you, she might pressure you into eating it anyway, she might tell you things along the lines of, come on, it's only one slice. We've all heard this kind of talk. So if you set your boundaries as soon as possible, you're going to reduce the amount of surprise that the people around you are going to feel. And you might be able to reduce also uh, the likelihood of them making comments that might make you uncomfortable, like, what? You're not having that? But it's your favorite. And also, when you establish your boundaries, communicate clearly that you're doing this for yourself and not to offend them. And what you're doing is very important to you. And those who love you will support you, even if they don't understand necessarily. And when you're explaining these boundaries, don't take yourself too seriously. Because if you adopt a very um, hard tone and you're super concerned, you're going to make people feel concerned as well about your mental well-being and your relationship with food. So just be as casual as you can be. For example, say something like, hey, I'm working on my health right now. And if you have a coach, you can say, you know, I even hired a coach. So I'm probably going to order a salad tonight, if that's all right. You don't even need to say that's if that's all right. I don't really know why I said that. You don't need to justify your choice to anyone. You can simply say, I'm working on my health and I'm going to order the salad. And that's it. And Just accept that some people, even when you put all of these strategies in place and you're very clear in your communication style, they're still going to make comments. They're still going to try to pressure you into drinking or eating. There's always at least one person like that in any circle of friends or in any family. And again, you need to remember you're doing this for yourself, 
not for anyone else. And ultimately, they're not in your body and they don't have your goals. And whether you follow through with their choice, with what they want you to do or not, they'll forget about it the next day. The only reason why they might be pressuring you or making comments is that your efforts make them feel a little bit insecure about their own food and fitness related choices. Finally, you may also want to consider if you have a friend or a family member or a group of them that are always asking you to go out to eat as a way to hang out, offer alternatives and do something that's not food related because Although I've given you plenty of strategies to be able to eat out and still achieve your fat loss goals, you also need to compromise on the number of times that you eat out. If, you, if you're going to eat out five days a week, it's going to be extremely difficult to achieve fat loss. So at some point, you need to start saying no to certain food-related occasions. So in this case, offer alternatives that were you don't have to eat with them. So they still know that you value their company. And at the same time, you can stick to your diet. For example, you can ask them to go out on a walk or to have a phone call or to go to the movies together or to go out for coffee. And then you can order a black coffee or a tea, which have two calories per cup. These are all fantastic ways to still enjoy your social life without having it centered around food all of the time. My final recommendation is to follow what most people term the 80-20 rule, meaning you're consistent with your fat loss targets 80% of the week, and then 20% of the week could be eating out, for example, and being more flexible. However, I don't like strict numbers, so 80-20 could be 70-80 to 20-30. And depending on the week, you might be closer to 80-20 and some other week you may be closer to 70-30. So I just want to make it very clear because I don't like to speak in absolute terms. In any case, my point here is that you don't need to be 100% on your diet every single day, but you also can't be 50% on the diet and then 50% on the wine and pizza and expect fantastic results. Again, you're going to be 70 to 80% on the diet and 20 to 30% more flexible, which means that you're going to have to make compromises about the number of times that you ate, eat out in a week, but also the amount of uh, fat loss friendly choices versus higher calorie, highly palatable choices that you make when eating out. In terms of the number of meals that you're going to eat out, Usually, eating out once a week, a day in a week is 14% of your week, is perfectly fine, especially if you follow all the suggestions I gave so far. If you diet on relatively higher calories, and these you can't choose, unfortunately, life is not fair, and one of the aspects that are less fair is that some people can diet on more calories and some people need less. If you diet on relatively higher calories, then even eating out twice per week is realistic. And twice per week is about 28% of your week. And I'm making this distinction because as I was saying earlier, restaurant meals, meals that you don't make yourself, celebratory meals like Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving dinner, all tend to be quite high in calories. And if you if you have a smaller calorie budget, even a maintenance calorie budget that's 
that's lower than other people, it can really be a stretch to have these social occasions too often. For example, when I'm dieting, in my past two diets, I've needed to lower my calories to around 14 to 1500. And in that case, eating out even once per week, if I wanted to maintain good energy levels in the gym, not have to borrow too many calories from other days, um, and also maintain manageable hunger levels, even, even a single meal out was a bit of a stretch, unless I were going for a salad. And to me, when I'm eating out, I don't want to go for the salad. It's my personal preference. And therefore, it was more worth it to me not to eat out at all, um, just so that I could have bigger, more satisfying meal. And once I went back to maintenance, then I went out to eat again. In terms of making compromises when you're eating more than once or twice per week, when you're eating out more than once or twice per week, then doing so makes it more challenging, obviously, to achieve your fat loss targets. So in that case, you might need to make a relatively high proportion of these meals calorie deficit friendly. For example, if you're eating out four times, you would have maybe a higher calorie meal once. Like for example, one day you go out for pizza with your friends and you get pizza. And then the other three times, you're going to stick to something that's a bit more calorie friendly. To be able to manage your calories across the week in the ways that I've described. So in closing, to recap an hour of me talking to myself, I'm forever impressed by how long I can make these solo episodes. Anyway, in closing, my recommendations are, first of all, make choices that align with your goals and values so that you don't regret what happens, whether you chose to eat pizza and dessert or whether you chose a chicken salad. Then plan these choices ahead of time. Don't leave them until the last minute. You'll get swept up in the moment, you fall victim to peer pressure, or you'll wing it. And when we do any of these things, we often end up regretting our choices because they weren't in line with our goals and values. Lastly, I know that setting boundaries can feel scary and hard, especially if you've never done it before, and especially if you're a bit of a people pleaser. But by doing it, you gain a lot of confidence and resilience, and you'll be surprised, I promise you, at how many people actually support and admire your efforts. I have so many clients that I have to push into setting boundaries around social events, and so many of them, after the first time, check in with me and tell me I was so surprised and how how chill everybody was and how small of a deal it was for me to set those boundaries. Because again, we are all mainly just interested in ourselves. Selfishness is part of human nature and there's nothing wrong with that. So yes, some people may make comments comments in the moment, but don't forget about it the next day. And if somebody doesn't want to be your friend anymore because you chose to have a diet coke instead of a glass of champagne, I would argue that maybe you need better friends anyway. So after all this, thank you for listening. Go and enjoy your meals out and get after those goals. As always, 
All the links to the resources I described will be in the show notes. If you want to sign up with for online coaching with me, then you can check out the application form linked in the show notes as well. You can sign up for my newsletter, visit my website, follow me on Instagram and on my other social media. Again, all you need to do is look in the description of this episode. Thank you very much for listening and until next time. Lastly, if you want to support the podcast and help me reach more people, please leave a five-star rating or review on any podcast platform that you're using. Thank you very much for listening and I'll speak to you soon.